Hello, pod pals, and welcome back to Best Girl Grip. I'm your host, Nicole Davis, and this is the podcast that navigates the film industry through the lens of the women doing just that. My guest this week is makeup and hair designer Claire Ann Williams. Claire left a career as a legal secretary to train at the Delamar Academy before being accepted onto a screen skills traineeship where she worked on big budget productions such as Solo, A Star Wars Story and Maleficent, Mistress of Evil. After working on shorts, commercials and music promos, Claire received her first head of department credit working on Neil Maskell's Clock and Luder and recently worked as a makeup and hair crowd supervisor on The Kitchen, co-written and produced by Daniel Kaluuya. In 2021, Claire was recognised as a Screen Daily star of tomorrow, and she's represented by Lucy Price at Loop Talent. We talk about quitting a satisfying career to pursue her dreams, the hardships of being a trainee later in life, the benefits of having an agent, how she creates a sanctuary for actors, as well as going into the craft of creating things like sweat and wounds and keeping spray tan consistent across weeks of shooting. Claire was a really fun interviewee and it was great to expand my own understanding of how myriad makeup designing can be. It's not just about eyeliner and lipstick. This is episode 114 of Best Girl Grip. I'm wondering at what stage you started to consider a career in hair and makeup and what appealed to you about that? Well, I'd always worked in hair and makeup. My first ever job was in um, retail, working mm. for a cosmetic brand. Like at the like a department store counter? Kind yeah, of. in the department yeah. store counter. So I'd gone into like Debenhams for the um, interview and I didn't, they didn't give you a choice of what department you worked in. You just got there on the day that you started and then they allocated your department. Okay. So then what, like at what point did the world of like television and film come into that? Because I can see it, like that being a career, but a completely separate one. So then at what stage did you realise that you could do that? Yeah, for film and TV. I think when I was about 24 and then I started researching different courses and I realised how expensive they were. They were like £10,000 a course. And at that time, I realised I didn't have the, the money for it. So I went and trained as a legal secretary just so I could do the course. So I then got a job as a legal secretary. The company treated me really, really well. And in a way, I kind of forgot about like, what my... My dream was, then my uncle passed away. I went on a holiday with one of the girls from work. My uncle passed away. And then I suddenly thought, oh my God, I need to do what I want to do in life. I need to go and do this makeup course. Even though I'm having a lovely career here, this is where I feel that my heart is. I paid for the course on the Monday but I didn't tell anybody because I didn't want like everyone to think like, oh my God, you've got like this really good job because sometimes people don't see makeup as a job. You've got this good job and then you're leaving this job to go and, you know, pursue your dream. But then will you be a success? Because at the time I was like in my thirties, but I felt like it was what I wanted to do. So I didn't tell anybody. And then I had it in my notice at work. And then two weeks before I was leaving my job, then I sort of told my family and friends. Oh, wow. How did that go down? Yeah, everybody was really supportive, to be fair. But I'd already had one friend that was working in the industry at the time. So I just thought, I just want to, you know, try and pursue it and see where I go. And you trained at the Delamar Academy. I'm wondering, like, why you picked that place, what that course was like, and how how it equipped you to do what you do. With the Delamar, I picked it because it looked like it was one of the best courses in the industry. I couldn't afford to do the 
the year course so I did the four-month course mm-hmm. and the location as well because it was in London so I thought at least I won't have to pay extra mm-hmm. to then like live somewhere else but I think that was sort of the older me talking the course I found was really good it was a good course you know it equipped us and sort of taught us like every sort of like bit of the industry in the sense of being creative mm-hmm. I found where I sort of learned my main skills was when I became a skill set trainee well, talk to me about that. Like, how did you hear about that opportunity? Did you apply to it? And then how did it work? Like, I, I know that you got on to, was it Solo, a Star Wars story? Yeah. Was that your first job? No, I had done two other jobs uh, prior to that. Okay. And then I got on that job. But um, I had kept looking like every day to see if, you know, to find a job because I didn't know anybody. I knew my friends, but then obviously I didn't want to like put pressure on her. because mm. So I thought, right, I'm going to try and like do this and blah, blah, blah. So I kept on looking every day on the internet, but they don't really post film jobs on the internet so I was looking for like schemes and stuff then I saw that one come up so I saw it actually on Indeed and then I went for the interview and um it was a really nice interview like everybody was really like nice and then when I got onto the the scheme it was just like amazing because then all of a sudden I had a job Mm. and I'd been looking for a job for like I would say maybe a year and what was the experience of working on solo like I mean especially you know that big of a set like were you given instruction about how to I don't know not behave but just like what you would be doing because I feel like it could be quite easy to feel like a bit of a spare part on a set that big yeah it was really busy day when I um, did my days on solo Mm. and um, it was just amazing like to see like the sets and stuff and I've never ever seen like such big sets like that before because mm. all the stuff I'd done like prior was all filmed on location so it was an amazing amazing experience and what they did was they basically told like each trainee what they would be doing for the day so you you knew what you were doing and stuff so it was really it was really cool yeah I really enjoyed it. And what kind of things were you doing as a trainee? Like, is it more about just like watching and shadowing people or you're actually getting to like do the makeup looks and like work with people? I think it varies because different designers want different things. Mm. I think on solo, I was shadowing and like getting like breakfasts, lunches, like helping to like clean the um, makeup artists' brushes and stuff. Mm. It was an amazing experience because then you were seeing like these amazing, talented people create like all these like bits and pieces. Honestly, it was amazing. Mm. But then when I did Maleficent, I was doing the D-rig. So I was taking off the prosthetics, which was an amazing experience again, because then I was learning a skill and I was learning how to do this skill by these amazing professional makeup artists. Yeah, for sure. And then how did working on like short films and music videos kind of prepare you? Because presumably you're getting obviously more responsibility on those kind of shoots to then step up into like doing it yourself. With a music video. So basically I did one music video and the designer that I met, she was lovely. And then she took me on like every job, but she mainly did commercials. And then she decided that she was going to um, leave the industry. She was changing departments. She went over to art. So she gave me all of her jobs. So that's how I sort of began designing. Oh, amazing. And did you feel ready for that transition? Was it a case of like, okay, I need to take this step or you kind of were plonked into it and sort of had to hit the ground running? I felt a, a little bit of both because I felt like each, I do TV, film and commercials and all three of those industries are very different. So I felt like it was good to sort of get the experience in the commercial side of the industry because it was sort of, even though the hours were longer, I found that the people were nicer, basically. Pertaining to like makeup specifically, like in what ways are those three industries different? They're just different. I find like the hours different. 
mm. the what you're required to do different was expected of you as well very different mm. and then like with your first uh head of department credit I believe that was Cluck and Luda is that yes. I, I hope I'm saying that right and that's coming out later this year but can you tell us anything about like what working on that project was like specifically for you I guess and your personal experience of being in HOD for the first time it was really amazing do you know what I was just like so so lucky because everybody that we it was during covid so we basically had to isolate in a house and we isolated in the house that we filmed in so it was really really cool and obviously we didn't have far to go in the morning so (laughs) we were like win-win we just like we got on so well like Mm. we were such a family it was just I loved it I can't even honestly I've got no words can express how much I enjoyed doing that film and then you were represented by Loop Talent. So I'm wondering at what stage in your career you got an agent and also like what that has meant for you just in terms of like getting work or, or feeling supported like as you move through your career. Yeah, I think having an agent is like very important. Obviously, I started my career through screen skills. Mm-hmm. I always had that support in a sense. So then when I had sort of finished being a screen skills trainee, I was still able to phone, every, you know, like phone up the screen skills manager and answer like questions if I wasn't sure about stuff, which was really, really lovely. But then obviously like as the years go on, you start feeling like, oh God, you feel bad because obviously yeah. they've got other people that they need to train. So, but they were always really, you know, they were always like fine and happy to sort of give me the answers. So I started to write to agents, but I started to look for agents that had the same sort of, in a sense, like morals that I have, because obviously yeah. I want to have, start a family and stuff so I just wanted to make sure that I got someone that was sort of more understanding and I do feel that I have found this in my agent and she's really good at her job she's mm. absolutely brilliant and she has got me more jobs she's got me better jobs she is amazing and I would definitely recommend to everybody to have an agent and when you were emailing out like looking for an agent were you just sending like a showreel or like credits like what were you yeah like including in that email to sort of catch their attention so I, I'd been emailing them for years, well, for at least two years. Mm. So I think I started off just with my CV yeah. and then I thought, okay, maybe I need to do something like a little bit more. So then I started to, I put together my website and then I started sending things along and also with my website. So I did find that did help to yeah. sort of get people's attentions. Yeah. And just like look a bit more professional and like, yeah. it, I guess. <laughs> yeah. It is really hard getting a job, I think, in film when mm. you're sort of first starting out because it's like all about connections and like who you know and stuff. And if you don't know anybody, then mm. obviously that's a massive hurdle. And then I'd love to like obviously spend some time digging into the craft because I, I do feel like. I don't know, I don't fully understand hair and makeup. I feel like there's probably a lot more that goes into it than we um, realise, as with many jobs in film. So let's talk about first, like, at what stage you usually board a project. So it depends what my role is. If I'm working as a designer, then I board the project sort of at the beginning. If I'm working as a makeup artist, I board the project. I would say I'd still sort of at the beginning, but I would maybe more, I wouldn't have prep or I would have a couple of days of prep. So let's dig into that differentiation. Designer is kind of, you're the person obviously crafting what it's going to look like. And an artist is like, they're purely for application. Is that how you see it? Yes. Okay. So yeah, the designer is the head of department role. Yeah. Um, and I'd love to know what those, when you're working as an HOD, what those initial conversations with the director look like to figure out if you're the right fit for the project. And also, like, are you coming to that conversation with ideas and, and maybe lookbooks already in place? Yeah, so what I do is I tend to answer the script before I read 
speak to the director. Mm-hmm. I get the script. I say I break the script down, but I don't break it, break it down. I break it down like 50% of how I would envision like the characters and stuff to be. Then I put together a mood board, which I then send on to the director. And then in our conversation, they may send me theirs back. Or when we have our conversation, we then look at each other's mood boards. But it's very much a collaborative process. And in a way, I feel like a makeup designer is there to give the director their vision. What speaks to you when you're like assessing what you'd like to work on? Like you reference like with an agent, they're getting you like better jobs. So like, what does that look like for you? Like, are you looking for something um, that is going to challenge you? Or just is it more about just liking the story that you're going to be a part of? I think that uh, in my career so far, I've set myself like different goals. So I feel like when I was a trainee, I found being a trainee quite tough. I was like 30 years old when I was a trainee. But I felt like that after I'd gone through like being a trainee, I then thought to myself, okay, my next goal in my career is to work with people that I like. Mm. So I sort of hit that goal. And then once I hit that goal, it was like, okay, my next goal in my career is to work on a project that's going to be really creative. Mm. And then I was given that opportunity. And then after that, I had another goal was, okay, my next goal is to work with somebody that is really nice and that I can be really creative with. And I've been lucky this year because I've had all three goals come true. So I must admit, I'm very happy. In a good place. And what's (laughs) what's your goal now? I don't know. You need like a retreat where you get to like really like dig into what you want. (laughs) And I want to come back to that idea, yeah, of like being a trainee at 30. And was it tough because of your own like perception that maybe you should have like figured this out sooner or tough in another way? I think maybe, yeah, a little bit of I should have figured this out sooner. Mm -hmm. But also I just found it really, really tough because when you're like a trainee, you're basically getting... So not all the time is it that this is the case, but sometimes, you know, being a trainee, you are treated like they expect you to do a lot. And maybe sometimes you don't always get like the support. I was always lucky because I did get the support, but I do find being a trainee is difficult. I feel like mainly it's mostly difficult because every designer that you work with will require something different of you. Yeah, it's quite a shape-shifting like role, isn't it? Yes. And then, and going back to like the timeline of kind of, yeah, you've boarded a project, you and the director are like on the same page. How do you then start preparing? Like, how are you like gathering the right materials or sourcing the right products? You know, how does, how does it begin to sort of, your kit kind of begin to take shape? Okay, so what I would then do is after I've spoken to the director, I would get the phone numbers for all the cast. Mm -hmm. And then if they know who the cast is, then I'll call the cast and speak to them also and ask them how they envision their character. Because it's also important that they feel comfortable in their hair and their makeup. Yeah, for sure. And then uh, once I've had those conversations, I'll then go back to the director with my ideas and the collaboration of the actual actress and Mm. say, this is basically, this is how I see it, this is how they you see it, and this is how they see it. So how do you want us basically to come together to get it how everybody feels comfortable? And presumably it comes down to like, I don't know, skin type as well, and just like the types of things that their like skin might react to, and like you're having to like get quite in depth, because as you say, like it's such a personal thing. Are you like really like asking them what kind of products they can actually wear on their face? Yeah, so definitely, it's definitely like skin products. Also, like, say if somebody's got brown hair, but the director envisions their hair being blonde, Mm. can that person's hair take bleach blonde? Because obviously, I'm not going to go and break somebody's hair. So we need to make sure that obviously, we're doing like, yeah, following the correct protocols in terms of like, 
health and safety uh, indications if somebody's hair can take certain products. Yeah, I'd love to know if someone asked Ryan Gosling whether his hair could take bleach blonde for that. Have you seen that Ken photo for Barbie? No, is his hair <laughs> blonde? Yeah, like properly, like, yeah, bleach, bleach blonde. And I don't know that he can pull it off. <laughs> it, looks, <laughs> it looks really weird. <laughs> but you also, you specialise in, in wigs as well and also like FX and prosthetics. So talk to me a little bit about like makeup entails so many different, like hair and makeup is just like not, it's not just, you know, like applying makeup as you would day to day. Like what are some of the things that you do that might surprise people? I would say maybe something like last night, my boyfriend was like, would you do that? And somebody was like full of sweat. And mm. people don't think about when you're sort of having to do like somebody in every element. I yeah. think it's the elements that are the most surprising things to people that makeup artists have to do. Is that just water when you're creating sweat? Water and glycerine. To create, yeah. Yeah, because it does kind of glisten when you perspire, doesn't it? That's true. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. And then I'd love to talk about FX and prosthetics a little bit more, because I know with like Tinstar, obviously, presumably the makeup is more about creating fake wounds and injuries. And it was quite like a gritty series where people were getting hurt a lot. So can you walk me through like how you go about creating that? You know, like what does it take to craft a realistic wound? Uh, you would get somebody in for a fitting and then once you do their fitting you basically like start sort of adding on doing different wounds to see sort of which ones look better and then what I tend to do is take photos and send to the director and even with like prosthetics I wouldn't say that I was necessarily the best person at prosthetics I would just say something that I know that I can do a little bit of but not compared to you know somebody that is their that's their trade even sometimes if I had like a big like prosthetic thing to do what I would do is I would outsource that to a prosthetics person right? to ensure that we get like the perfect, the perfect look. Yeah. So it's like the expert coming in kind of yes. doing what they're best at. Coming back to obviously the conversations with the actors that you're having in prep, but then also on set, like how do you go about establishing a trust and a dialogue? Because often I think I've heard it said by makeup artists before that you're often the last person they see before they then go and shoot. So it's quite like a special time that you're like sharing with them in that way. So how do you go about building a good rapport? Um, I try to offer them like a sanctuary. Mm. In a sense, I try to make the makeup room a little bit like a spa, but <laughs> it has to move a lot quicker. And um, so I tend to have like hot towels and hot towel machines and just offer them more of a relaxing sort of environment before they have to go on and act. And is that something you did intuitively? Did you like learn that from being on a set? Like, how did you come to that? I actually learned that from retail. Yeah, when we used to uh, work on the counters. We used to do like little spa days and I found that it made people like really, really relaxed and like when we used to do London fashion show and stuff. Yeah. And it has gone down a tree actually. Everybody loves the hot town machine. <laughs> Yeah, I love that for sure. Also, in terms of your role on set, do you then, once you've finished up in the trailer, are you then moving to set to then monitor like how those looks, I guess, are like looking like on camera? And are you then there doing like touch-ups or again, you're delegating that role to someone else? Uh, I suppose it depends what role that I play. If I'm a designer, see, I love being on set. I can't even, I feel like that's my forte. But I feel like when you're a designer, you don't really get the chance to go on set as much as when you're a makeup artist. Yeah. Because you've got obviously other stuff to be like sorting out and organising for like the next days. But I do always try to go on set to monitor the looks. And that is for continuity to make sure that the continuity of the film or the tv series runs correctly because it's like your your creation as well that's like on camera so it like makes sense for you to like want to yeah make sure it's representative of your best work yeah exactly so I think that it is so important to be on set 
and to basically and to make sure that everyone's okay as well like mm. I go to say I'm like to the artist you okay should I go and get you a coffee you know because I do believe that having a good working environment is so important in film and tv for people's mental health absolutely do you, do you feel like that is becoming more commonplace that people you know it feels like a more caring environment yeah 100 100 percent. I feel like since covid and black lives matter I feel like I can feel a big change mm. in like everybody's attitude and how people are towards one another you know and then so we do have to look after each other because we are working we're working so closely together and for such long hours yeah exactly well that like begs the question obviously it's long hours so how are you also then taking care of yourself and like I guess staying energized and focused when you're on set for such a long period of time Mm, it is difficult to be honest with you um I try to stay hydrated I'm not really the best at eating so I try and I do try my best though to make sure that I at least have like lunch and a dinner. I feel like I have got better like over the years, but I feel like you haven't in a sense when you're on set, it's like you have an adrenaline. I know it's really weird. Do you find that? Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean for sure. Like with anything, like when I don't know if you're looking forward to it, no matter how tired you are, like your body finds a way to push through. Yeah, it's mad. Is there like a come down period though as well, where like you'll push through with the adrenaline and then once, yeah, wraps happened or even just like you finish the day, you're like, you crash. Yeah, I used to have like really, really bad come downs. Like, you know, like when you finished a job, like that first two weeks, I used to be like, oh my God, what am I going to do with myself? And like, did you do the do? But I feel like, I don't know, I've had an operation this year. So I don't know if that's why I've like I've done like one, two, two jobs. Mm-hmm. And I haven't had a come down, which mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, this is really, really weird. But I don't know if it's because I've had an operation that maybe my body's working like differently. Or yeah. maybe I'm seeing things differently. You just yeah. don't know, do you? And I feel like every job I've had, like this year, I've had such different experiences. That it's just, yeah, I feel like I have got a different perspective. You mentioned there, like you love being on set. And obviously you might not always get that opportunity as a designer. But what do you love about? the on-set environment I just love like watching like the creation of like everybody's work come together I just find it like so amazing and I think we're so lucky to be in that position to be able to just see like all these different creative people come together and just create this amazing movie I just like wow yeah yeah the magic unfolding before your eyes yeah (laughs) I love it have you ever had a situation where something you've like prepared or, or created you then the actor gets in front of the camera and it's just not working you know either with what the costumes have come up with or like what the production designer has done or just you know maybe the actor just suddenly not feeling comfortable how do you then like deal with that and rectify that I think that the key to that is to stay calm stay calm listen to why they think that that doesn't work you know reevaluate it in your head and think okay actually that doesn't work and just change it I think and just change it to whatever will work and be quick with it because obviously every second is like shooting time and are you in conversation with like the costume designers and the production designers talking about color palettes and like their aesthetic so that it all matches and you know ties together yeah yeah definitely always speaking to like every single department Mm. because really hair and makeup it can go into like so many different departments it obviously always goes into costume if you sort of do any sort of special effects stuff then you're going into props so you're always basically coming across everyone's department and that's another reason why I like being so you can sort of speak to each other and communicate and just make sure that everyone's sort of along the same page yeah definitely that's like the key for I think like a happy set (laughs) regardless yeah definitely and then is there like a look or just a project that you're proudest of having worked on that you've I don't know encompasses the journey that you've been on so far 
Yeah, so many. I would definitely, definitely say The Kitchen, which is the mm. um, film that I just finished. I wasn't a designer on it. I was crowd supervisor. The designer was so, so lovely. So she's listening to this. Hello, Melissa. <laughs> amazing. I feel like it was just, it was an amazing experience. And I just, I really, really enjoyed it. What did you enjoy about it? I enjoyed like all the, the looks that was done. I enjoyed like the working environment. Melissa's an absolutely amazing designer to work with. She's just like so creative she's so nice I just it was just a really really nice job and let's break down that role a little bit crowd supervisor so presumably obviously you know everyone is in makeup when they're you know in front of the camera it isn't just about like the lead or supporting actors it's all the extras as well so presumably crowd supervisor you're that person making sure that everyone in shot looks like they're part of this world yes and that sounds like quite a big job but there's a lot of people to corral and a lot of people to like get to so how does that work yeah it is a big job actually it was the first time that I'd actually done it Mm. so I was a little bit like oh and the numbers were really really big we had up to like 200 um, essays a day wow yeah so it was but it was I really enjoyed it actually felt that everybody was really nice like all the essays Mm. and they were all like inspiring actors so it'll be interesting to obviously watch about their careers unfold and the looks and stuff that we got to do were like really cool and like really creative so yeah I'm really really happy with that project I suppose it's like because you have to be so quick with that job like it's not giving you a chance to like overthink stuff and you realize maybe I don't know I I often think with things where you're just like thrown in the deep end you realize maybe you're much more competent than like you give yourself credit for and you're like oh I can I can just do this yeah definitely 100% and I felt like um I got to work with a really amazing team as well oh my god this team was like amazing they were so creative and we like shared each other's like skill set. It was honestly, it was amazing. Are there any skills that you feel like you're lacking or that you'd like to get better at that you see yourself, yeah, perfecting in 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 the years to come? Oh god, I can all of them. Like, <laughs> honestly, I constantly go on courses. I'm like forever, you know, like trying to learn because obviously things change like all the time. Mm-hmm. So you're constantly like trying to like update your your skills basically that's in a sense why I did this job because I'm dyslexic so when I um was at school I found school really difficult because mm-hmm. I wasn't academic and then when I sort of started like doing makeup and started being like more creative I felt much more happier yeah because it's like a whole I feel like with school you're taught one language yes so many like different ways of expressing yourself that just aren't you're not ever enlightened as to like them existing when you're in school considering like yeah you're a big fan of learning like what do you consider to be the biggest learning curve of your career so far it's a big question (laughs) that is a big big question I would say the job that I did called riches tell me about that job I feel that was the biggest learning yeah biggest learning curve I feel like it was it was challenging but I feel like I learned a lot and really deep heat as well because they were both their cast. They had a lot of cast. They had like 10 main casts that were in like every day, oh, wow. especially Deep Heat. So it was a lot. And then we were constantly like changing like makeup looks. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I learned on Deep Heat continuity, how to perfect my continuity. I feel like mm-hmm. I learned that on Deep Heat. And I felt like I brought that to, I didn't do all of Riches. I only done like, I think I'd done two or three episodes. But I felt like that I used what I've learned from deep. I feel like what I've learned is that I'm a quick learner. What is the key to continuity? Is it about, yeah, obviously you're taking photos and I mean, they're filming it. So like there is evidence of what it looked like the day before. But for you, yeah, how do you keep a look consistent like across days of shooting? And also what can happen is they can go back to something like, I don't know, like two months later. 
Yeah. And then obviously you have to go back to like the exact thing. So what we were doing, we were uh, self tanning on um, deep heat. So we had mm. to basically, we were spray tanning. We had to make sure that we kept in the right continuity. So I think it's basically about pictures, writing every single thing down and keeping everyone in the team in the loop. Yeah. Because when we were on deep heat, one of the members of staff got COVID. So mm-hmm. then they had to be off for like however many weeks. So then mm-hmm. somebody else had to take over their characters. So I think it's about not basically um, everybody learning how to do everyone else's makeup and not just their own character's makeup. And like not ever thinking that a detail is too small and being like, oh yeah, I remember that. It's like, write everything down. Yeah, write everything down. So then if somebody ever has to take over your work, you know, that they feel comfortable with doing it. And you mentioned just now, like always wanting to kind of upskill or learn because the industry is changing or or the things that you're doing are changing can you kind of expand on that a little bit more like what is it is it just makeup trends like the types of kit that you're using like what is it for you that you feel like is changing most at the moment oh god I think everything's changing in the industry I think like like the makeup kits like the the trends yeah I just think everything's just changed so much like since covid Mm. and I feel like and also you know like in terms of like film and tv like who's being cast that's all changing as well so I feel like everything's changing, you know, like really uh, quickly. And I do feel that in like the hair and makeup industry, you've got to have the right people to do the right job. And I'd love to know like what kind of projects you'd like to work on moving forward. You know, is there a genre or an era that you'll just be like keen to explore? I would like to do maybe like sci-fi. I quite like being more creative I would say, then sort of doing more like a period drama. There are certain parameters, I guess, with period drama, especially like with historical, you kind of, there's a level of accuracy, I'm assuming, comes into play. Or as, yeah, with sci-fi, it's like, let your imagination run wild. Yeah, I quite like sort of gangstery films. Mm. I don't know what they'd be called, actually. It'd be a nice full circle moment, though, if you did do a sci-fi with um, Solo or Star Wars. Like, after- yeah, <laughs> that'd be amazing, wouldn't yeah. it? And then finally, just winding down, like, obviously, I think it was, yeah, uh, 2021 I mean I, I've lost all sense of the timeline but I believe it was last year that you were named as like a screen daily star of tomorrow um, which must have been exciting how did it feel to kind of be recognized in that way oh my god it was so amazing like mm-hmm. honestly like I was so happy like so grateful that you know I was named that I just honestly it was like that is most of like one of the highs of my career it was amazing. And the thing is, as well, because I'm not really that confident person. Like, every time I do something, I'm always like, oh, my God. Like, I'm Honestly, like, I'm always wanting to go in and like correct things. So it was honestly, for me, it was just so nice that somebody was recognised my skills, if you know what I mean. Yeah, a boost. <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. It was a lovely boost. And then finally, I'd love to know if there's a film by a woman director that particularly inspires or speaks to you that you like to either watch often or that you just think about. See, I love Shona Rhimes. Mm. I love like all of her stuff. I think that I love her stuff because it's very diverse and she very diverse and she always like puts everybody in and shows like their complete culture and shows them for like who they are. So yeah, that's so true. Her. Yeah. And she's like not in a box as a creative either. Like, yeah, as you say, like she hasn't stuck to like one thing or one genre. She kind of does it all. She does it all and she represents everybody. Mm. She doesn't leave anybody out. And she represents people to like, you know, the best of their their culture, I would say, or their sexuality. I think she's absolutely amazing. Thank you for shouting her out. And thank you, Claire, for coming on the podcast. It's been such a pleasure speaking with you and getting this insight. Oh, thank you. Thank 
Thank you for listening to this episode of Best Girl Grip. If you liked what you heard, please do rate, review and subscribe, spread the good word, etc. I'm on Instagram at Best Girl Grip for pod-related news. If you want to listen to more episodes like this, I recommend digging out my interview with Siobhan Harper-Ryan from the archives. In the meantime, have a great week and I'll be back next Tuesday with a brand new episode. Mm-hmm.